verses 1 through 2. And the scripture reads, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity you've given me to pour into your children, your sons and your daughters. I don't take this opportunity lightly, so Father God, you know that as a vessel that is yielding to your spirit, I pray that you use me as a willing vessel, uh, using every word, every being spoken today will be God breathed by you. With that being said, I come against any type of demonic spirit, any type of warfare, anything that may be said against this moment in time. This place in this moment is sacred for the Holy Spirit to use. Therefore, the governing spirit of God will govern this moment, ensuring that his purposes will prevail. And with that being said, Father, I turn my attention back to you. I give you all the praise, honor, and the glory. And like I always say, if you're not speaking through me, I'm wasting their time. So, Father, speak through me now. In your name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Before I break the scripture down, let's go through some points. I have a lot of points uh, for you graduates and parents and family and friends on the benefits of enduring. Let's look at a problem. Many young people and people in general are entertaining persuasions that are pulling them into dangerous places and producing dangerous perspectives. Many will not like where they end up. Many young people or people, period, are entertaining persuasions that are pulling them into dangerous places and producing dangerous perspectives. Many will not like where they end up. So many people right now are completely unaware of the demonic climate that we are under. The persuasions, the temptations that is after our minds pulling us away from God. It is very important that you and I become aware of Satan's devices, ensuring that we are aware of what's really going on around us. Each and every one of us are being pulled somewhere. And my question to you is, where are you being pulling towards? Because a lot of people are not going to like where they're being pulled towards. Because in the moment of infatuation, the intoxication of being where you are or, or the idolatry of the idea of a location oftentimes lure us into places and we're like, how did I even get here? Let's go to the definition of pull. Pull by definition is to pull steadily in a specific direction or to reach a, spec a specific or specified point. Pull by definition is to move steadily in a specific direction to reach a specified point. We'll break that down a little bit later. Let's get to some causes. What causes people to be pulled by persuasions to places or producing perspectives that they never intended that they would produce? There's two causes, internal and external pressures. Internal external pressures. These pressures produce perspectives and patterns that begin the pull. Now, what does that mean? Each and every one of us struggle internally. 
You can't control the rising of an insecurity, but you can control being insecure. Every place that we are at now, we was pulled there. Something or someone beyond our ability of sight pulled us to that place. And if not careful, if we don't self-examine our hearts, it could be our own selfish desires, it could be our own insecurities that are pulling us into places. Pulling us into relationships. Somebody woke up this morning, looked over to their left and said, how did I even marry this joker? How did I even marry this woman? How did I even get here? Insecurities. When I got married, there were some insecurities there because I'd never been a husband before. When I have children, there's going to be some insecurities there because I never parented before. But if I don't secure myself in Christ, I will always find myself insecure. And insecurities will lead you into other insecure places, cause you to open yourself up to things that's going to warp your perspective, having you look at certain things improperly. There is a right way of seeing everything. The originator, the creator, God, has an original perspective that we're supposed to have on how we see life, how we see love. How we see legacy. Right now, every young man, before you even think about getting married, should think about your children's children. Any person that doesn't think generationally, thinks generations, is not setting their legacy up to ensure that their children will be successful. We have to look on the inside of us and say, before I reach a platform, before I endeavor to be married, before I endeavor to be successful, I have to ask myself, am I securing him? Internal pressures, external pressures, societal pressures, parental pressures. Every child, listen to me. I'm not your parent. I'm just Josh. You know what I'm saying? But you're not going to stand before your mom or dad when you get judged. You're going to have to answer to God for yourself. My own father, who we are exceptionally close to this day, when I told him that I was going to go all the way to Oklahoma to go to school to be a preacher. Now, I have a Nigerian father. So if anyone who has a Nigerian father can understand that they care about you being a doctor, a lawyer, anything, making some kind of money. But when I told him that I'm going to go all the way to Oklahoma, to Oral Roberts University, to pursue being a preacher, he said, man, why are you doing all There's no money in that. Now, what if I would have listened to him? Would I be where I am today? The author of six books, traveled around the world, impacting lives, not because of me, but because I humbled myself to the one that I will see one day. The Bible says it's appointed for every man to die, and after that, the judgment. Death ain't the worst part. I got to face my maker. They ain't gonna, your mama can't come up there and, and oh, well, he was a good boy. I mean, remember, God, you remember when he was nine? Like he was, no, 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 no. I got to stand before him myself. So I don't have time to be hawked between two opinions. I don't have time because we only live once. And when you look your maker face to face, when I get to heaven, I want God to say, I don't even have time to judge it because we're friends. I don't want to wait to get to heaven to have a relationship. Because the angels look curiously at, see, the angels can't have a relationship that we have. Angels don't know what redemption is. Angels don't know what grace and mercy is. We do. 
So while we have life, let's live it. Let's keep going. The goal of the unseen world is to use what is in you to pull you. The goal of the unseen world is to use what's in you to pull you. Neither God nor Satan pushes us due to the law of free will. But they use what we allow in us and around us to either pull us to purpose or to pain. The goal of the unseen world is to use what's in you to pull you. It doesn't matter what kind of man you are, what kind of woman you are. Your eyes, your neck, your members can't outdo what's in your heart. A lustful man has a loose neck. You see what I'm saying? If he has lust in his heart, it doesn't matter how faithful he want to be. If he doesn't deal with it here, he's going to look at every woman that passes him by. You got to look at your heart because when tested, you can't help but do what's in there. So they say, how can I use what's in you to pull you? Whatever's in you will be used or can be used against you. Have a lot of notes. I got to keep going. God pulls through love. Satan pulls through lust. God pulls through love. Satan pulls through lust. Now, when people hear the word lust, they think, well, we got children in the room. They think, you know. But lust, by definition, is an overbearing desire for something. It's an uncontrollable desire. It's I want this so bad, and I don't care if it's God's timing or not, I want it. It's my money, I want it now. That's my woman, I want her now. That's my man, I want it now. It's crazy how we reach for mature things with immature hands. God doesn't care about how often you cry. He doesn't care about how you whine. He cares about maturity. God is not going to budge one step, one moment beyond his character and his timing. The moment I became free and ministry free in my life was when I had to come to grips that I can't move God's timing. It doesn't matter how bad I want to get married. It matter how much I want to be successful. If God said this is not your time, it's not your time. But with free will, you have the choice to settle. God pulls through love. Satan pulls through lust. And I talk about Satan for a little bit. Satan does just enough against us and towards us to get us to fall, but not enough for us to completely blame him. Satan does just enough against us and towards us to get us to fall, but not enough for us to completely blame him. Look at Eve. Eve, Satan didn't push Eve to sin. He suggested that she should. That temptation is still prevalent today. You're going to hear whispers in here, did God really say? So now you have to choose between the 1% tree he told you not to touch and the 99% he said you can. It's crazy how we become imprisoned off of 1%. When God said, I gave you all of this. But the sin nature that we have, we want it all. Eve wanted to be equal to God. God is keeping something from me. Listen, you better let him keep some things from me. Because most of the 
actually, let me put it this way. The best blessings, the best things that God did for you, you know nothing about. That car accident that he avoided, that you avoided. That tragic incident that was supposed to happen to you, but he prevented. We should take time to thank God for the things that didn't happen to us. Thank God for the things that we are completely unaware of. Because sometimes we count the blessings that we do see versus saying, God, I count all the things that I don't know, haven't seen, but I know your angels worked overtime for me. He says, I'm just going to do enough to make you fall, but not enough for you to completely blame me. We think the devil pushed me into that room. The devil pushed me to do these drugs. You know, he said, doesn't that look enticing? See, he loves temporary moments of satisfaction. Moments of pleasure. See, it's crazy how we can be intoxicated and enslaved by a small member. Look at your taste buds, how small they are. And all we care about is the taste of something, but we don't care about the digestion of something. That when you bite into these things, he knows that any child who tastes juice or Kool-Aid for the first time don't want to go back to water. So we as adults do the same thing. If I could just taste this out of timing, out of season, I'm going to want this more than the living water. The woman at the well, and I love what Jesus did. I got to tell the story. Jesus was sitting by the well. And we're talking about Middle East, right? 90, 100 some degrees. And why was Jesus there at noon? See, this woman who was a certain type of woman couldn't go to the well in the morning, couldn't go to the well in the evening because that's where all the other good women went to get the water. So she said, you know what, to avoid the soccer moms, to avoid them gossiping about me, I'm going to go when it's hot to get the water because at least I don't have to worry about being talked about. So while she was walking up there, Jesus was kind enough to send the disciples away to sit in the heat of the day to talk to one woman. And while they was having dialogue, she began to talk about, well, this is the well that my forefathers built. This is the well, well, this well we've been drinking from for generations. What water are you talking about? He said, man, you can drink from this well as often as you want, but if you drink of me, you will never thirst again. Let me tell every young person, when you drink of him, when you engage with him, when you know him for yourself, you don't have to worry about who your husband is, who your wife is, what job or what career you're going to have. He will order your steps. And I'm telling you from this side, I have a lot of people ask me, he's like, man, Josh, 32 years old, you saved yourself a marriage, you waited so long. And what they will always say was, wasn't it tough? Yes, it was tough going through your 20s. Yes, it's tough being talked about. Yes, it's tough. But it doesn't matter how tough it was. I know how easy it is now. When you do things God's way, things always work out for you. I don't care about the persuasion. Because the same people that's trying to talk you into their level are the same people that's not even going to have no care for you. You have to let people go. This is your life. Because it's crazy how many people try to talk you into situations where they will not suffer the consequences for. Why won't you marry him, baby? Go and marry. He's a good man. Do this. Go there. Look, look, look. This is my life. This is your life. And he gave you such a beautiful life. This ain't no 
message of condemnation, because no matter what your story is, you, listen, as long as you're alive, the author is still writing your story. Don't get mad at chapter 22, chapter 17. I'm on chapter 33, and it's getting good. It doesn't matter what chapter you on. I don't care what chapter 16 was, 14 was, chapter 8 was. Who's writing your chapter now? He is the author and the finisher of your faith. Now let's talk about four types of pools. Four types of pools. There are environmental pools. Examinational pools. Emotional pools. And eternal pools. There are four types of pools that you're going to have to face in this life. Environmental pools. These are automatic pools. Satan is not omnipresent like God. So I don't, Satan is not bothering me. Satan is not bothering you. Satan is not omnipresent, meaning he's probably bothering somebody else. He has a system designed where there's demons, where there's warfare, where there's things specifically tailored to you. So he utilizes his system to divine, design automatic pools. Be very careful what environments you find yourself under. Because he knows if I get you watching this kind of shows, listening to this kind of music, by automatic, by default, those suggestions, those pulls will pull you. Watch very carefully the environments you find yourself in. But Josh, I, I, you know, I, I know how it was, man. When I was in college, man, back in the day, who was it? It was uh, Little John the Eastside Boys. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Ludacris back in my day. You see what I'm saying? Uh, um, and, and I used to be like, man, I just want to, they, they just got something special about the beat. But I realized you got to know the agenda behind the artist. If you are not, if you are ignorant of Satan's devices, you will find yourself enticed, lured, even in moments of harmlessness, if that makes sense. I don't care how enjoyable it may be. The Bible says those who have been enlisted do not entangle themselves with civilian affairs. When you know that you are in a war, you don't have time to engage in environmental pressures because you know anything that I allow in my spirit when pressed will come out. Oh, I played basketball. I've been fouled hard. And when I used to listen to songs all the time, what came out of my mouth? What I put in. You see what I'm saying? When you know that your soul is a sponge, you be very careful what you dip yourself into. Because when life squeezes you and life will, whatever you allow to soak in you over a period of time, when pressed, will come out. Environmental pulls or automatic pulls, meaning the devil is not bothering you, demons may not really be invested, but they utilize the system to automatically send things into your mind to pull you into thinking improperly. Now, examinational pools. These are assigned pools. Usually this happens to people who begin their journey with God. The Bible says when a man is tempted, he is drawn away and enticed by by his own or her own desires. Demons take very close examination of you. They know you better than you know yourself. They've seen your kind before. 
They're intelligent beings. They know exactly how to tailor something to you that will give them a 99.9% chance of pulling you from God. So what they do, they examine you and it's an assigned pull. Oh, he's on fire for God. Let's let's bring Susie around. Let's bring she's she's on fire for God. How can we put this fire out? Be very careful who seemingly shows up around you. Because just because their heart is with you in the beginning doesn't mean that over time they won't turn on you. So you students, you going into college, you going into middle school, you going into high school, you going into different phases and people will be attracted to you. But be very careful because people are usually attracted to the anointing in you to stifle that anointing in you. These people that's around you have ticking time bombs in you. And you wake up, those who's been in dating relationships, oh, I thought you was in love with me. I thought so too, but out of nowhere, I don't even like you no more. That means their time is up, their job has finished, and now they have already done what the devil has assigned in your life. Now you've got all these consequences around you. And then all of a sudden you look on Instagram and they got somebody that quick because they're on to the next assignment. That's why you can't compare your life on Instagram. These folks lying. These people ain't telling the truth. Showing their highlights. Showing their best life. But if you really was a fly in their living room wall, you would see that that was only but a TV dinner. There was nothing but nothing excitement in their life. Insecure people post too much about their lives. Appreciate you. I'm Nigerian. I got you know. I got to. We sweat, we, we sweat. But what I'm trying to say is, when you're on assignment, you don't have time to worry about what somebody else is doing because you're running your race. Emotional pulls. These are internal pulls. These are ambitious pulls. You can't always trust your feelings because feelings are not always factual. Feelings just let you know what what you feel presently. Faith lets you know what God has already established. So when I walk by sight instead of by faith, I'm easily moved. We live in a, a very offensive culture. Everybody's triggered easily. These are the times that we have to be very careful because people at a moment trigger. The devil loves an emotional society. All I have to do is give certain buzzwords and now you off your focus. You cannot be emotional in warfare. Because all they have to do is bring up your ex from five years ago. Now you in your feelings again. All they have to bring up is the abandonment at nine. Now you in your feelings again. Listen, you cannot avoid what you need to address. Deal with it. How long do you want to bleed in and out of people's lives? You want another man to hold you, but you bleed on him. You want another woman to hold you, but you bleed on her. You bleeding. The only person that can heal you is Jesus. There's not a doctor on this planet that can heal a heart. Your real heart. And if you keep trying to go to different people to complete you, you're going to find yourself depleted. Listen, man. You're supposed to complement something, not complete something. Something's supposed to complement you, not complete you. See, people are trying to get into the next level and not complete it. 
See, wholeness doesn't mean perfection. It just means ready. The chair you sitting in right now, you walked in, you had faith in that chair because nobody fell out of theirs. So you sat by faith. What keeps us from sitting and resting in the one that is seated because we truly don't have faith in him. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. If anyone desires to draw near to, after him, he must first that. Hold on. How scripture go? He must first know that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, everyone who's a believer in this room, you believe that God exists globally. But how many of you believe that he exists specifically for your situation? Because if you have faith in that, you won't be easily moved. So if when your parent, when your friend, when society says something against what God has told you, you already know that he has been keeping me. He has been keeping me sitting upright all my life. The best way to move faithfully forward is to see his faithful track record in your past. Sometimes you have to look backwards to go forwards. Because no matter where you go in life, it's going to be uncomfortable with him. Why do you think God gives you big ideas? If God gave you human-sized ideas, there would be no need for God. God gives you God ideas because he knows you need me. Every marriage needs him. Every parent needs him. Try, Try going any amount of time without him and see how far you go. Let's keep going. Emotional pulls are ambitious pulls. You got to be very careful, young people, because you're ambitious right now. Let me tell you from a 33-year-old's perspective, the 20s are overrated. Yeah. 20s are overrated. 30s are really good. I'm on the other side of the fence. I'm yelling at y'all. Look, 20s, bury yourself, find a mentor, be led by God, and learn. What happens is, oh, I got this, and don't know nothing. I was guilty of it, so I'm not talking against you. I was there. I was just doing stuff like I was a man. I'm going to start a ministry and God led me to it. But I did some stupid stuff. Thinking I was, oh, I'm going to take over the city and we're going to change the world. And God says, son, these demons were waiting on you. When I went to Nigeria in 2010, um, for six months, my trip was delayed until a specific time. And so my dad and I, we flew to Nigeria, and as soon as I got off the plane, I never felt demonic pressure like that in my life. When I got back home, I began to tell my mom that story. She said, them demons in Nigeria knew you was coming. Do you know who knows you're coming before you even get there? So they start preparing things in advance because they know, listen, listen, listen. Daniel was praying how many days? 21. The angel got to Daniel and was like, Daniel, don't be afraid, bro. It's me. You know, we the angel. We heard you on day one. But the principality of Persia hindered us. Listen, if you don't know the principality over the region of your school, if you don't know the principality over the region of the city that you're going to, you're going to find yourself in trap after trap after trap. They know you coming. So what they do is, how can I get you to fall? Because I know the anointing in you. Listen, I almost committed suicide in the last 10 years twice because of the pressures of ministry, because of abandonment issues. They don't want me alive because the longer I live in Christ, the more people can be impacted. This thing is too serious. It is too serious. 
So I preach like a madman because I know for a fact in whom I believe and I know how real this thing is. Therefore, I don't accept every assignment. Listen, man, there was a church that was going to pay me $5,000 to come speak. Now, you know, a, a, a newlywed brother, five stacks, Lord. God said, don't go. I said, God, hold up, man. I know I know you supply all my needs, <laughs> but they're trying to supply specific needs right now. God said, don't go. Now, I don't know what reason, and I don't even have to find out. If he said don't go, I don't go. But so many of us are pulled by money. Everybody who went in those twin towers on 9-11 was warned by God. You know why God warned everybody before they went to work in 9-11? Because they cannot have nothing against him on judgment day. God is the ultimate judge. He has to be omnipresent. He has to be all-knowing everywhere and all-powerful. And if he doesn't warn you, but God, you didn't tell me to not go to work that day. But how many of us grieve him? We're so routine-based instead of relationship-based. If you always get into your routine, this is my routine, God. I got to make a left at this light. This is this gets me at work 10 minutes early. But God said, make a right. But God, I'm going to be 10 minutes. He says, man, do I not make your crooked path straight? Listen, we better be tuned in because these are the worst times not to know his voice. Because when God warns you, there cannot be no pull outside of him. Because there's going to be times where God say, listen, don't go to work. You're going to be like, but how am I going to pay the bills? Until God becomes your everything, you won't let go of anything. You're not going to let it go. My wife, no matter how much I love her, she can't be my ultimate pool. That if God tells me something, I have to say, you know what? This is what I feel like the Lord is telling me. Or the Holy Spirit may be like, don't tell her right now. Let me tell her. That's why we got to let God... In our relationships. This is for the married people. Now, let me stop. I'm a rookie. Let me stop. Okay. <laughs> let me calm down. I'm talking like I'm LeBron James, my rookie season. No, what I'm trying to say is every day I need him. Holy Spirit, you lead me while we lead us. If I take this marriage thinking about tomorrow, I'll mismanage it today. It has to be a day by day, personal, engaging relationship. The last pool, an eternal pool. An eternal pool. This is an assisted pool. My life became great when I let the Holy Spirit lead me. I'm driven by eternity. Man, like, my best times is with God, yo. I wouldn't be the author of the books that I'm authors of. I wouldn't be doing the videos that I'm doing right now. I don't do none of those things without saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to write? Because I got eternity on my mind. Life, I have an acronym for it. Live it for eternity. It's crazy how many people live their life for this one. As if this is our eternal home. Nobody who's sent by an employer to another city for just two weeks will start looking for a house, looking for a spouse. They won't even, they, because they're only there for two weeks. 
Why would I go invest all of my money in a place where I'm only going to be for two weeks? Let me go do my assignment there and come back home. The same is with God and us. God did not send us here to ultimately live here. He sent here, us here for an assignment. What do we do? I got to get me a house and a barns and then bigger barns and bigger house and bigger car. And we got all the security here. We, we're fighting. We're living. We're dying to live versus living to die. We, 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 we want to be here so bad. And God is like, yo, you can't take none of this with you. But when an employer sends an employee out to do an assignment, does that does not that employer take care of the housing? Does, does he not only take care of the rental car? Does, do they not also take care of the food? So when I know that he has sent me to be an ambassador here, he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about how the college going to be paid. Don't worry about it. I sent you here. That's why you got to only go where he sends you. Because when you go where he sends you, he pro- he makes the crooked path. He already got provision ahead of you. The rental, Mr. Ezra, here's your rental car. <laughs> Mr. Ezra, here's the keys to your housing. My house is not for me to fall in love with. It's a house for me to use to share the love of God out from. So when you look at everything around you as a tool, even yourself, you know how you should be used. A hammer can't screw in a nail. A hammer is used for a specific tool. That's why I can't envy my brother here. I can't envy the pastor and how God uses him. Because when it's time to put up some sheetrock, God going to come find me. You see what I'm saying? So there has to be an eternal pool. Heavenly Father, what do you want me to do today? Like, like relationships is about pull. It shouldn't be about push. My love for my wife pulls me. Her love shouldn't push me. There should be something there that pulls us together. And there should be something in you that pulls you to your purpose. Let's keep going. Y'all learning something? Y'all all right? Now let's talk about the process of a demonic pool. Ain't nothing to be scared of. These demons ain't nothing to be scared of. Ain't nothing to be scared of. He took the keys. He took the power and gave it to us. What Eve gave, what Eve and Adam gave over, Christ gave back to us. But we don't know our authority. Oh, I'm quick to put some oil on some doors. I'm quick to open the door and be like, demons, y'all got to go. I'm quick to be like, I counsel every plot and scheme you have for me today. That's why my life right now, when I start executing my authority, is proactive warfare, not reactive warfare. Reactive warfare is, oh, I got hit yesterday and I'm getting hit again. Oh, I'm not ready for the next one. Proactive warfare is I shut it down from the beginning. And when I started doing that, life was smooth. We don't go through nothing. Because I shut it down from the beginning, not because of who I am, but because who Christ is. And let's keep going now. The process of a demonic pool. Five points at how demons pull us away from God. Number one, they look at your life and examine what level you are on spiritually. They're great researchers. They take a look at your life. Oh, he had that addiction when he was 17. Maybe we can use that again this time. Oh, her dad wasn't. She got daddy issues. Okay, let's use that. Let's try to use that this time. They look at your life to examine the level you are on spiritually. Do you not know that I I, I don't I can't, I can't um, specifically say, but I know that if they look at us, they know our faith level. 
They can tell by the way that we walk. They can tell by the way that we talk. They can tell the way by we carry ourselves. Do they really trust God in this area? See, a foundation doesn't just cover the living room and the kitchen. A foundation covers the whole house. It holds up the whole house. Meaning God just doesn't just want to cover one part of your life or hold up one part. He says, trust me in every area. And so what happens is they look at your life and say, are they solid with God in this area? See, demons don't attack you face to face. They don't attack you at your strongest point. They find your weaknesses. So what they do is, let me see where their level is spiritually, and that's the angle we come in. So number one, they look at your life and examine what level you are on spiritually. Number two, after they have examined your life and the level you are on, they begin to tailor a language and a lure to build up your lust. Oh, we found an avenue. Okay. He doesn't trust God in this area. He hasn't girded himself. He hasn't built himself up. She hasn't prepared herself. Okay. After I examine her life and his life, and they're not really strong in their walk with God, let me tailor a language and a lure. Now, what does that mean? They're not going to speak a language you don't understand. They're going to speak lust. They're going to speak greed. They're going to speak any kind of way to get your attention. When he spoke to Eve, he was like, did God really say? And she had a nerve to repeat everything God said. You see what I'm saying? We know what to do. But our hearts don't want to do what we need to do. See, that's why you got to know the word for yourself. The Bible says, David, I believe David passed. He said, I hide your word in my heart that I might not. If there is no hiding in, you will. I got to know the word and make it a part of me. Because when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he didn't give off his opinion, his philosophies. He didn't give off what the Pharisees said about whatever. He said, this is what the word of God says. And I believe in what the word says. Because no matter where you find yourself at, young people, people are going to say things contrary to what the word of God says. Listen, but Josh, the Bible was written many years ago. Okay. It was written by someone above time. Anything above time transcends time. Meaning that his word is forever settled, forever true, and can ever, forever be trusted. Man, you got to know that word for yourself, man. Because they would tailor a language that would get you curious and a lure that will build up your overbearing desire. But time says keep going. Number three, they introduce the lure and build up your lust to hopefully attach it to that lure. They introduce the girl. Oh, man, when you get to college, I know you love your sisters and your brothers at church, but when you go to college, you're going to see things you ain't never seen before. You're going to see men that you've never seen before. And that's why I said before, don't find it strange when people start liking you unaware. See, when people watch my videos and they meet me face to face, I already know that they don't know me. They know who they've been watching. So back in the day, so, oh, you want to help me with Unplug? Yeah, come on in. Yeah, well, you can help me. You can help me. You can help me. But when they begin to meet Joshua Ejike Eze and not Coach Josh, all of a sudden, I don't know if I really want to be with this guy. See, when people meet you, you'll see if they want you for you. Now, 
Most people are drawn to a tree because of two things, its fruit and its shade. But not too many people are drawn to the tree to tend it. People in your life will be drawn to you because, oh, he got fruit. She got fruit. Oh, how can I make money off of her? How can I get close to them to be popular? How can I be? They only drawn you because of the fruit you bear. Oh, when life gets hot and it gets sticky, let me go hide up under her and get cooled off for a little bit. That man don't want you for you. He just want to get cooled off. That woman don't want you for you. She just want to get cooled off. But when fall comes and the leaves start falling, and winter start coming, people say, okay. But those people that say, you know what, I'm here with you. Let's fix these roots. Remember you last season, you was was off the chain, you was tripping. We got to get these roots right. Those are your friends. Let me tell you something about the word friend. The root word of friend is end. Real friends are there with you to the end. Do not allow people to enjoy the sun with you if they wasn't there during the storms. If they can't weather the storm, listen, listen, I want all weather friends. I don't want no fair weather friends. God don't want no fair weather or poor weather friends. He want all weather friends because we sure enough go to God when the weather gets poor. But when, when time is good, we leave God. God want us to be all weather friends. God, I'm a rejoice. And uh, uh, praise you even when I get the money. (laughs) We like to come to God when the when the bag is not when the bag is low. The same cry, the same plea, the same obedience. You know we obey God when things get tough. Oh yeah, God, I got you. I'm obey you today because I know if I obey. No no no, we gotta obey God even when times are good. Cause they know the hearts of us humans. We're just so fickle. One day we in love with God. We the same one calling fire down from heaven. Now we up under a tree crying out, Jezebel going to kill us all. See what I'm saying? The same one that cut a joker's ear off was the same one that denied him three times in less than 24 hours. So don't count it strange. Don't step. The Bible says when you stand, take heed lest you fall. The safest place you will always find yourself is on your knees. Humility. When you think of yourself more highly you ought to think, you're deceiving yourself. We are nothing without him. It's in him that we live, move, and have our being. Listen, listen, when I'm a preacher, you understand, Pastor. People come around us and they want to throw the weed away. Oh, oh, my bad, you're a pastor. I ain't mean to cuss. Oh, my, my, my bad, I ain't no. I'm like, bruh, I'm just flesh and blood. You want to stop sinning around me, but you want to continue sinning openly before God who sees everything? The Bible says it is the fear of God that's the beginning of wisdom. God is a God of love, but he's a God that deserves to be revered. we, We have the audacity to act like God is not like, yo, do you understand that, um, some of you young people may not understand this or know about this, but when you lease a car, after a certain amount of time, you got to bring that car back to be examined. And when that car is examined, you may have to pay a price, depending on how many dents or whatever is in the car. Your bodies are not yours. You're leasing them. One day you're going to have to stand before God and be held accountable for what you did. And There's nothing to be afraid of. It's nothing to be like, oh, I got to be perfect. It just says, you know what? I know I got to be close to him. 
Number four, once latched to their lure, they lower you down to a way of thinking and leave and living that leaves you empty. The devil doesn't want to leave you full. He wants to leave you empty. So what he does is I'm going to examine his life. I'm going to examine her life. Oh, she's not ready for this. He's not ready for that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring this person or this thing or this thought into their life. And I'm going to use that as an anchor to lower you down to a place that you wasn't supposed to live. Look at the word repent. What does the word repent mean? It means to come back to where you're supposed to be. Repent. Repent. Pent house. Pent top. We're supposed to think on things that are above. We're supposed to think on things that are love. We're supposed to be thinking at a higher level. Why are we walking around so defeated when we are the most powerful? It's because of our thinking. He knows how can I use your mind to bring you down to where he has dominion. We have to allow ourselves to say, you know what, why am I here? Wherever you are, your mind took you there. You can't get mad about where you at right now. Nobody forced you. The devil didn't push you. God ain't mad at you. Look in that mirror. You'll know exactly how you got where you got. If you don't like where you are, change the way you think. I'm rambling. My bad, y'all. Once attached to this way of thinking and living, they leave you in the lure cycle attached by your internal condemnation or addiction. Now, what does that mean is they'll lower you and then they'll leave you in that addictive cycle. Demons don't waste time on people that are in addictive cycles. They utilize their time to go war against people who know who they are in Christ. So what happens is you got to you got to look at your addiction. And say, OK, what am I addicted to? The moment you try and then people always say this, Josh, why when I begin to walk with God, things get go crazy? Why when I try to get my life right and I try to follow God, why does life get tough? It gets tough because you're a threat now. You're no you're not a threat if you're addicted. You're not a threat if you're intoxicated by persuasion that's going to have you full of consequences by the time you're 28. They don't waste time with you. They say, oh, he's thinking right now. She's thinking right now. He's a threat. If you live your purpose, you'll inspire somebody else to live their purpose. And if you, listen, I spoke at my fifth grade graduation. I work at elementary school. And um, people ask me, like, man, how do you feel? And pastors understand, how, how do you feel not being able to say Jesus in the school system? I said, you know, what's more impactful, saying his name or being his name? So so we want to be bold and be like, Jesus, 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 but we don't got the power. We have a form of godliness, but denying is power. Watch who you listen to. Watch who you watch, because a lot of these Christians, a lot of these pastors, a lot of these preachers, a lot of people have a form of godliness, but don't have no power. You go into their churches, you go around them, there's no yokes being destroyed, there's no deliverances, there's no growth, there's no maturity, it's nothing but a bunch of entertainment. If you got, if you use carnal means to get them, you have to use carnal means to keep them. So people don't want to preach the truth no more. People don't want to follow God anymore because it leaves you alone. Loneliness is a mindset. Nobody's ever alone. Trust me, I'd rather be alone with God and my wife. <laughs> Than to be a bunch of thou around a bunch of thousand people. I don't mind being alone because I know who's with me. Now, let's break down the scripture and I'm out your way and I have 
points on how not to get pulled in the wrong direction. So let me go ahead and break down the text because I love the word. The word is more valuable, more sweeter than honey. I'm telling you, it's, 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 it's life changing. Now, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, the Bible says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay also, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author or the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's break down verse by verse. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, why is that important? Young people. Never surround yourself with people that never witnessed. Because they only know what you know. You better surround yourself with people whose feet are where you want to be. Because they witnessed how God brought them through. They were witnesses of how doing things the right way gets you the right things. They were witnesses. In Hebrews 11, I believe, they were talking about all they call the Hall of Fame of Faith, right? The people who showed and exhibit faith. These people are watching from heaven saying, hey, yo, we made it, yo. It's worth it running your race. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them over there. Trust me, we witnessed it. You got to surround yourself with people that said, baby boy, better leave that one alone. I've witnessed that kind before. Baby girl, you better leave him alone. I've witnessed that kind before. Oh, oh, you want to go there? I did that. I witnessed that. It ain't really worth it. What messes up our generation behind us is that many of us, we rather hide our scars instead of show them. Wounds and scars are two totally different things. And the reason why many of us don't want to share with our children, show, share with the generation what we've been through, because that wound is still fresh. When you have a scar, a scar lets you know there was once a wound, but also healing took place. Therefore, baby girl, baby boy, look at these wounds. When Jesus came and approached doubting Thomas, what did he show Thomas first? This is proof that it's done. Thomas, feel my side. That's proof that I'm Jesus. If Jesus shows us his scars, why are we afraid to show the generation behind us that we made mistakes too? Because if we continue to perpetuate perfection, they won't know the paths to avoid. People don't care about what you say. They want to know what you lived through. That's why you got to heal quickly. Hurt people, hurt people. Healed people, heal people. So what I'm trying to say is, it just says, man, yo, the text, the, the author is saying, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that witnessed the finished work of Christ, that witnessed what singleness is supposed to look like, that witnessed how to navigate college without having consequence. They witnessed it. You don't want to be around people that's witnessing. You want to be around people that witnessed. Who already seen it all. And young people, I know, I know when your parents say avoid this, it gets annoying, but they love you. But listen to them. 
Because if you get out there in college, you get around in sixth grade and start passing stuff over to you. They start passing perspectives over to you. Oh, there's nothing wrong with doing that with her. You don't got to be married for that. Ain't nothing wrong with doing that. I mean, what's really going to happen? Okay, they're not going to be there to suffer the consequences when you do what they say. The text says, since we are surrounded, since we, that means real time, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, both in heaven and hopefully with people around us that are witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin because I have listened to the witnesses, the people who witness. Now it's easier for me to lay aside now. It's nothing more impactful than a changed mind. If you can change your perspective and how you see a thing, it will change how you hold a thing. If I have a wrong perspective about a wife, I'll be like my ancestors, be like, I want you to cook, I want you to cook me three meals, I want fufu, I want something, I want this, I want that, I ain't gonna do nothing. No, 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 no. But if I have the right perspective of a wife, then I understand I got to serve her first. I got to sacrifice immediately because he sacrificed for me. I got to say, you know, I got to sacrifice for her. She's the helpmate. If I hurt the help, I hurt myself. So why not serve the help and the help will naturally blossom serve you. But if you do it, like serve me first. No, no. We got to say no. God, I'm going to lay aside these sins and these weights and be about my father's business. I always talk about with my nephew and my, my nieces. They know when uncle, when uncle goes to the store, I'm going to ride with my uncle. Because I know my uncle, no matter where my uncle goes, when we come out this store, I'm going to have some chips and a drink. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So I'm going to ride with uncle. Uncle, where you going? Okay, I'm riding with you. Because I know I'm guaranteed a big bag of Takis and a big drink. That's the same thing with God. If I roll with him, I naturally come out with something. It's relationship. I know they like me for me. I'm their uncle. They love me, but they also know, yo, my uncle cool, but my my uncle also comes with gifts. (laughs) God is the same way, man. You can't get to God's hand without going through his heart first. He's not going to give you his hand. His hand is always behind his back. He says, you know what? Here's my heart, though. Here's my heart. Well, you don't want my heart? All right. If you want God's hand, you have to be in love with his heart. So when I know what the witnesses say and the witnesses are like, yo, man, avoid them, avoid that. Wow, for real? Yeah, man. And I actually got fruit in my life that proves. I had a young man message me. He was like, man... I'm tired of being a good guy in college. I said, bro, why? Bro, no girls checking for me. I'm the good. I said, man, yeah, you friend zone, and it's okay. They don't want you right now. They don't want your Christian character now. But when they get 28, 29, they're going to be scrolling. Who's that boy? Oh, so you know what happens? They'll scroll. This happens all the time on Instagram. They scroll. He married. They like the picture. What they do is, let me see if he's single. What happens is, those who didn't want you before will come finding you later. But this is the perfect time to be focused when no girl checking for you. Focus. You know why? 
I started ministry when I was 21 years old. I wrote my first book when I was 21. And since then, I wrote six books. So I have six books. Six books, YouTube channel, T-shirts. What's some other revenue streams? Anyway, what happened was I got focused. And God, why you want me to write this book, yo? Nobody going to want to read my book. God said write the book. Then the book, then the ministry, then the videos. And now at 33, when June 29th comes and those royalties for those books drop, I'm so glad I was focused. Oh, every June 29th, I'm looking at, I'm just, I'm just waiting. When that money going to drop? June, I can't, well, June the 19th when the YouTube money dropped. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Focus in the 20s. It'll pay you back in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. There's two things I always leave with young people. There's two things you got to focus on. Residual income, residual impact. Right now while I'm preaching, I'm making money somewhere. Right now while I'm preaching, I'm impacting someone somewhere. Right now, and I don't care if it's Toronto, I don't care if it's South Africa, I don't care if it's Eastern Europe, I don't care if it's down the street in Gastonia. Somebody's watching a video of mine crying, asking God for help, right? Somewhere, somewhere, somebody is buying a book right now as we speak. When I sleep, there's residual income and residual impact happening while I sleep. That's where you want to be in life. Everyone in this room is gifted. Heard a preacher say, I think it was Miles Rose, somebody said that the wealthiest place on earth are the graveyards where people die with their gifts in them. I don't have time to worry about what y'all are doing, what y'all are doing. I have to be about my father's business because people always ask God, God, you got a dollar on you? God, you got $2,000 on you? God don't give you money. He gives you ideas. Because if God always kept giving you money, you will always be a beggar your whole life. He'll say, you know what? Write a book. God, what you talking about? I need a dollar. God, give me, I need 10 by Friday. Lord, what you? Write the book, Josh. The world is going to distract you from birthing the gift in you. We are the only created things that has the opportunity to be what it wasn't meant to be. An orange seed in the ground, oranges. Apples, tree, apple seed, apples. Author, accountant. Preacher, or whatever. If I'm called to it, that's the only fruit that I can really birth that's going to feed me for life. We wasn't created for retirement. We was created for fulfillment. That's why you don't like your job, because you're not fulfilled. You know how many people about to get college degrees and not use them? The devil knows to have pressuring parents to stifle the dream in the kid. The parent then says, well, you should be this. And since that's all they knew, well, I guess I'll be this. And all of a sudden, but, but mama, I want to be a YouTuber. But mama, I want to be this. No, boy, that ain't going to make no money. Be a doctor. And so what happens is now you done killed the dream. So when a kid is in his 20s, he done got a degree. And then all of a sudden he finds himself at 26 talking about what did I do all my life? 
He says, how can I get you in debt so you'll be too focused on paying that debt off than appreciating the debt that was paid for you? Because of the debt that was paid, I'm free. He paid the debt. I don't work for freedom. I don't work for love. I work from it. People, I guess God's not happy with me today, so I'm going to work for his love today. He said, my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. Why are you working, resting me? Man, I ain't even covering half the stuff I'm supposed to cover. Lay aside every weight and sin. Two things, weight and sin. Some weights are not necessarily sin. They're just unnecessary weights. He ain't really a bad person. You just got to lay that friend aside. Like, you're not, a, you're not a sinful dude. I just got to lay this weight aside. Let's keep going for time's sake. In, in which... And sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There's a race that you're supposed to run that I can't run. Looking to Jesus, who is the often a perfecter of faith. This is where I want to get to. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising his shame and is now seated at the right hand of God. Now, what does that mean? It was his joy and love for us that pulled him through. Because we were set before him. He said, man, God, take this cup from me. And before the sentence had a period at the end, he says, not my will, but thine will. What's pulling you? Is Jesus the joy that's set before you that's pulling you? Or is it everything else in life? Because if I know if I'm pulled by him, I'm guaranteed to go into my promised land. The rest of the points I'll leave with you because I believe my time is up. How, real quickly, for three minutes, how to not get pulled in the wrong direction. Number one, quickly, P, P-U-L-L-E-D. Intentionally develop your personal relationship with God. Intentionally develop it. It's a day-to-day thing. Number two, allow God to shape your perspectives. If he can change the way you think, he can change the way you go. And next P, productively pursue your purpose. How not to go in the wrong direction, find your purpose and pursue it. If God would have gave Adam Eve in the middle of him naming the animals, we would have had half the animals yet not named. God has a timing when he brings things in your life. You fully submit under the word of God and the right umbrellas. You have a great umbrella here as your pastor. You see what I'm saying? Just like he listens, I listen too. You got to make sure you submit it under the word of God. That's why you can't go to a church just because they got all these lights, camera, and action. You better go where the word is. I got to submit up under the word and under the right umbrella. God called you to him. Not because of him, but because he's an under-shepherd called to steward and look after your soul. L, let go of all resentment and unforgiveness. That you have towards others and yourself. If you want to go in the right direction, you got to forgive. You got to let your pops go, man. When Jesus was on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. I used to be mad at God. My dad ain't home. When I used to play basketball games, everybody else got their pops throwing the ball to them. And I'm over here shooting free throws, getting my own rebound. 
And God said, if that man was in the home while you was growing up, you wouldn't be where you are today. Sometimes the greatest additions are subtractions. Let go of all resentment and unforgiveness and, and that you have towards others and yourself. It's not really that we don't forgive others. We got to forgive ourselves. Yo, you was young back then. Let it go. You ain't know no better. Let it go. You know better now. The next L, let the Holy Spirit lead. Young people, t- I'm telling you, Holy Spirit will save your life. He'll save your money. <laughs> He'll save you time. E, emotionally rest in God's rest. It's already done. We get embarrassed after God comes through. I worried for what, God? There you go, God. You can't do it again. Emotionally rest in his rest. And last but not least, set desired outcomes and through discipline pursue them. If you don't have a desired outcome for your life, you're going to be a wandering person. And last but not least, personally develop yourself. My final thoughts, and I'm done, Pastor. Be pulled by love, not lust. And that's my time.